Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Good evening and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Chip Nellinger. Chip, uh, how you been, buddy? How's your weekend been so far? Oh, it's been cold, Casey. It's going to get colder. It's like uh, if it's not uh, 20 below zero, then it's snowing or uh, freezing rain. I'm not even sure how it, how it rains when it's this cold, but uh, it's been the craziest winter, man. It'd be, you know, 14 degrees and it should be snow, but it's uh, it's freezing rain. It's like, I don't, I, it, it's just bizarre. It's bizarre weather, but uh, we're surviving. We're, in, we're inside, so we don't have to complain too much, I guess. Yeah, well, that's that's true. That's true. One good thing that you have to complain about anymore is the government's officially back open for business for about another, what, week and a half or so, and then, then they're going to decide to do whatever they're going to do? Yeah, I think, I think three weeks. I think 21 days is what, uh, uh, and I don't know when that clock started ticking. I don't know if it starts tomorrow or if it started Friday, but uh, just call it a short three weeks. Uh, so we, uh, the, the assumption is we're going to get uh, caught up on what the exports were. That's going to be a good, um, uh, important piece of the puzzle here as we go forward because, um, you know, there's been some indications that uh, China could possibly have bought U.S. corn, uh, U.S. wheat. Um, irrespective of China, uh, you know, there's a lot of rumors that uh, we've been cranking out some bushels here, especially on corn. So it would be good to kind of get caught up on where we're at uh, with export sales. Um, there's every indication that uh, the February 8th, that w- what would be the normal February crop report on the 8th, they're going to um, put out those final numbers, the January crop report that we missed. So we'll get the the, uh, the planted wheat acreage. We're going to get the final uh, corn and bean yields. We're going to get updates on uh, carryout and demand. We're going to get world uh, production numbers. So, uh, February 8th will be a big day. And uh, then here later this week, uh, this upcoming week, we've got some uh, important U.S.-China uh, trade negotiations. We've got a couple of the uh, uh, the, the big uh, the big cheeses coming from, uh, I think, the second command, actually, um, of China, uh, as well as uh, a team of other people are on uh, their way to Washington. And uh, hopefully we're going to get some news uh, on the uh, China-U.S. trade front. So, We've got a lot uh, that could happen and, and uh, be thrown at this market and uh, really increase the volatility uh, as we go forward here the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So if you take a look at the uh, time frame now that we have this three-week time period to uh, figure out what we're going to do with immigration as far as funding for a, a wall or whatever it is they're going to do down on the, on the southern border, as well as um, that March 1st deadline is creeping up on us too. So take a look at what's going on there's a lot of things that kind of hinge around this next three weeks and how important that's going to be when you take a look at <clears throat> the stuff that you're seeing out there and kind of what your feel is i mean i've read plenty of stuff that says yep we're, we're negotiating we're still miles apart but there's still a chance what's your what's your thoughts on that um somewhere in between I, it's hard it's really 
the head scratcher, you know, because um, it's almost like it's a um, it's part of the strategy where um, even in the morning time frame, we'll get a news story or a tweet uh, that uh, trade talks are going just great, making a lot of progress. Um, some other, uh, you know, Washington official that's involved in the trade talks uh, by afternoon comes out and says, no, we're miles apart on this stuff. We're not anywhere close. And so um, it's almost like it's a, um, you know, on-purpose strategy to keep everyone on their toes. I think that it's been long enough that the Chinese economy has, has slipped. The Chinese stock market's really been beat up. Our stock market uh, is beat up. The read between the lines, I think that's one thing that uh, this administration doesn't want to see happen is further erosion of our stock market. I think we're going to get um, some progress made on this. Will we get a, a finalization announcement this week? I don't know about that. But I think that we're going to uh, uh, keep along the path of getting things uh, straightened out here and uh, that we're going to see some positive news come from these, uh, these meetings later this week. Okay, so how much how much effect is it going to have the the January uh, stock report that we should have gotten? Uh, what, what when was that? Two weeks ago, um, we yep. should have gotten that, and we see that China took some wheat and China took some corn, um, some stuff that they haven't taken from us in a while. Now they took some rice. I mean, there's a few things where they've they've really done a lot. How much effect is that going to have on the February stock report? If there's really been nothing else as far as corn and wheat goes going into that, I mean, are they going to try to play the well, maybe they're still in the game, or, or how's that going to work out? That's a good question. Um, they probably won't um, have a lot that they'll have to add to the bottom line. But the market, uh, you know, it's a futures market. So if we have some information on uh, some specific quantities that, that China's going to take, regardless of what the USDA says on February 8th, the market will build that in um, and, and start making some assumptions. So. You know, it's uh, there, there's two separate things there. Number one, it's where where are the final yields and and demand and carry out um, projections as of um, you know the first of uh, February that the USDA is going to put out, and then above and beyond that, if we have some additional information on uh, certain quantities um, of um, you know different commodities that China is going to take of ours, then uh, the market will kind of do the rest and start making the assumptions. Um, you know, above and beyond what the USDA puts out. So it can really increase the volatility. Something we haven't talked about here, we, we um, have the uh, South American weather situation is uh, less than ideal as well. They, they received a few scattered rainfall uh, amounts um, in some growing areas, but there's still a big chunk um, of uh, kind of the heart of the Brazilian uh, production area that really is way below normal precept for the last 60 days. They're screaming right into the end of the uh, growing season there. So their yield estimates are uh, in retreat. And so that's part of this, too, is what's the ultimate crop size in Brazil? Argentina's had struggles as well. They just had massive amounts of rain during their growing season, a lot of flooding. uh, And and their yield uh, top ends are coming off as well. So the southern hemisphere crop is is slowly and and surely shrinking. Um, It's not a disaster. But it's probably not going to be record production out of either uh, Argentina or Brazil. So you got to throw that in the mix. And uh, we've just been basing these markets sideways. Beans are in a, uh, essentially the middle of a seven-month trading range. Uh, basically, since about August, we've just kind of been going sideways in, uh, in a fairly wide range. But, you know, I don't want to put it as 60, 70 cents from low to high. 
goes sideways here, uh, the more violent we're going to break out one way or the other. So, you know, we're speeding into getting some resolution on some of these issues on crop size, on, you know, the China trade issue, on the, the South American production potential. And um, these markets are, are going to move. So, you know, we preach about that all the time on this podcast. You got to have a plan. You got to be ready. You got to know what you're going to do. Um, no matter what way the market goes and, and have a plan B as well and, and make that volatility into a competitive advantage instead of just being handcuffed by it and watching a big rally uh, come and, and go and not taking advantage of it and, and staying frustrated and kind of handcuffed by the market. Right. Okay, so I've had two different guests on here. Uh, podcast number 119 with uh, Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial and I've also had uh, number 120 with Kirk Hens of Bamweather. And both of them have, have you know, obviously Kirk Hens is a, is a meteorologist, so he was looking out at the yeah. next three months and kind of what that looked like going into April. And uh, Sean Hackett has some weather modeling that he that he follows along with on on his uh, some financial stuff that he does. So sounds like to me February, March, and April, you know, that's when we're going to get the biggest bulk of our winter. Sounds like um, this kind of shaping up to be a cold a cold run here. Um, when is when will that start being a uh, a weather market based on similar to last year when you were talking about the brutal cold up north and how long it lingered and kind of hung out? When do we have to start looking for that, and, and when do you see the market making reactions to that? Yeah, I think um, I think it could be as early as February, uh, but for sure March, um, and that plays into the acreage situation. Usually, we get the January crop report out of the way, kind of find out where we're at on final yields. And then the market kind of uh, looks ahead to acreage. Um, everything's kind of out of whack from that timing this year because the government shut down, as well as this China, uh, you know, tariff and trade war situation. So I, I would think that, um, you know, by the end of February, first week or 10 days of March, we're going to start playing out not only what acreage we're going to plant, but the weather. And both those are tied hand in hand. So uh, that's a great point. That That's, uh, you know, notwithstanding all the other information, China trade issues, uh, um, you know, final crop size, exports, all this stuff. We have the potential problem building um, in in uh, regards to planting. And every, I, I've spent a lot of time in, in January here uh, traveling. I've been to uh, Tennessee, basically Memphis, um, through Kentucky, southern Indiana, Iowa, uh, Illinois. Uh, it is wet everywhere. And uh, I mean really wet. Rivers out. We're getting snow every other day in the south, in south of Interstate 70, tremendous amounts of rain. There's still beans in the field in areas of Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, we have a full soil profile, uh, moisture-wise. That's good for the upcoming growing season, but not as it relates to planting manure. It won't take uh, probably but uh, about two poorly timed three-quarters of an inch or inch rains um, in late March and, and mid-April, and we've got some, um, we've got the, the makings of a wet spring. Now, uh, it can turn, I, I, I don't, I shudder to even say that right now at the end of January because things can turn um, so quickly and we can get a lot of field work done and a lot planted in a short amount of time. But I'm just saying all the, the pieces are there. We didn't get much field work done uh, because of a late fall. Uh, we've had nothing but rain and snow. Uh, we've got full soil, um, you know, moisture profiles here. Um, you know, the sponge is full here. There's nowhere for any more rain to go. 
and uh, it will not take much this spring as far as uh, precip, and uh, we've got some real issues as far as being able to get the corn acreage planted um, that uh, we intend. So that is a whole other can of worms that uh, probably by uh, mid-March we're going to be really focused on that to be forecast um, because we've got to get a lot of field work done before we think about planting. That, and that's a, uh, you know, snowmageddon 19. I think like, every time I turn around, there's some massive winter storm or Arctic blast or some vortex of some sort sweeping down and pretty much getting basically Chicago to Columbus down south to, to basically Minton in that whole area right there. So it's uh, it seems like you guys can't catch a break on that. Uh, we've had a really winter. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It's been a long time since we've seen this. Uh, a lot of snow, um, uh, rain in between the snow. Wednesday, Thursday, we're going to be close to record lows. They're talking, uh, you know, from anywhere from 15 to almost 30 below actual temperatures and, and near 60 below wind chills for a couple days. So uh, it's brutal. And, uh, and then it warms up. You know, we get these uh, these systems that move through. It'll warm up to, uh, you know, 23, 24, or 28 degrees. Snow a couple inches. And then uh, right back in the deep freeze. So it's uh, it's been a brutal uh, pattern we've been in. And unfortunately, you know, again, there, there's still some crop in the field in areas, and it's just been a nightmare of a uh, of a fall. And, and now we're deep into winter, and uh, there's likely going to be some uh, you know some some beans still in the field as we come into March and April. Okay, lots of fun there. Okay, so let's jump over and talk about livestock for a little bit. Um, China's on again, off again, struggle here with the African swine fever, flu, or whatever it is that they've got going on over there. And it's, you know, it's kind of crept across into some wild boar populations. Um, it's gotten to be pretty uh, kind of a big deal now. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things now where they're having a hard time kind of controlling what's happening. So talk to me about what you see happening in the, uh, in the hog market and, and where do you see that headed? What you mentioned is true. Unfortunately, it's not um, doing much to help our hog market here. So, you know, if you go back here a couple months, we had uh, before the government shut down, uh, we had uh, a hogs and pigs report, a quarterly hogs and pigs, and it didn't show as big a growth as um, feared, but yet it was still, I believe, about a two percent um, year-on-year growth, and that's just uh, you know going on two and a half years of. Uh, increasing hog numbers here. So we've got a big supply. Um, I don't think we've fully seen the effects on the demand side um, from this uh, swine flu issue. Uh, the market's disappointed. We haven't seen more pork purchases from China. Uh, that may be coming, especially if we get some sort of a, a trade announcement uh, coming this week or sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that would be greatly beneficial if you could uh, see some sort of a confirmation of uh, Chinese uh, pork purchases from the United States. Uh, until you do, we may be under pressure. So uh, it's been a pretty um, poor performance in the hog market in here. Now, those deferred uh, summer months are at, uh, I don't know if they're a record, but they're uh, uh, wildly premium to the nearby, um, you know, like February and April contracts in here. So you may have a little bit of that uh, swine flu um factor built into these summer months like the June, the July, the August uh, lean hog contracts and you could likely see more but uh, be really good development if we can see uh, China come in um, for U.S. pork uh, 
and not maybe not just a one-time deal, but some sort of confirmation they're going to be a longer-term buyer of uh, of U.S. pork products. So that would really change the dynamics of the of the hog market quickly, almost overnight. But until you see that, the market has uh, I can't even tell you eight, ten times, you know, rallied on hopes of uh, and rumors of Chinese uh, purchases, and they have bought just token amounts. But uh, the market's been really disappointed on that and uh, really put a, uh, a poor performance in last week um, in the hog market. Cattle, uh, you mentioned um, the weather, and uh, we're, we're going to see the effects of this weather on cattle feeding for a while. Um, you talk to feedlots, it's kind of like uh, the worst-case scenario, right? I mean, they can handle some snow uh, and cold weather, but it's been um, the, the cycle, uh, what I mentioned before. You know, a blizzard moves through, it's 10 below for a couple days, you get a bunch of snow, and then you get a, a warm blast and it gets real muddy. Um, it's just about the worst feeding conditions um, you can imagine right now in a lot of areas of the plains. And like you mentioned, a lot of winter yet to go. So um, cattle closed off their highs a little bit last week. Um, we're back, had a pretty decent uh, close Friday. Any break probably is going to be well supported, and, and we're going to see the effects on weights and feed conversion uh, on these cattle uh, probably all the way through you know April May time frame um, based on the cattle that are on feed right now. So it's uh, it's a little bit of an ugly situation out there, and that should support cattle um, as we go forward, and, and probably give us uh, at least one, if not two, more opportunities to rally in this cattle market and give us uh, chances to hedge at higher levels. And, and if you do break in cattle, it's probably going to be fairly short-lived. Yeah, you can have a sharp $5, 7 break, but uh, there's probably going to be a lot of buying interest there because uh, of the uh, poor feeding conditions that you have. And if we continue to get, you know, these big uh, blizzard, snowstorm, um, you know, conditions that move through uh, every week or two and dump more precip and, and keep things real muddy uh, in the plains, um, you know, that's only going to support us uh, longer. So some optimism in the cattle side. We really need to get some, you know, confirmation of uh, Chinese purchases here on the pork side to kind of get that hog market up and running. Right. All right. So jump over to the outside markets. Take a look at what oil's been doing here for the last uh, couple months. It's kind of been up and then it goes back down and, and uh, it's kind of all over the place right now. Fuel contracts have been some of the cheapest fuel contracts out there in a while. Take a look at that. Tell me what you see happening in the diesel market, and then also on the on the gasoline side of the business. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had a nice rally in the energy complex here, uh, led by crude oil. Of course, uh, all the products, uh, gasoline and, and heating oil, um, which is diesel, are going to follow along um, as well. So um, you know, we're kind of at a, an important point here uh, where we've got some resistance above us uh, in, in this uh, crude oil market. If we can kind of clear the way, get maybe uh, an, an open gap here, uh, a good push with uh, maybe some, um, you know, Chinese purchases of, of energy products. I mean, that's part uh, of, the, of the game, too, where they could come in and, and uh, you know, buy if it's ethanol or, you know, some, some other uh, you know, some crude oil or refined products. Uh, that could be on the table as well as part of this trade deal. And that would uh, be a, a shot in the arm as well. So that, uh, that could be on the table, and that could be enough to push us into a next leg higher here, uh, well north of, uh, of $50 again. So, you know, I would say from a, a diesel fuel standpoint, we talked about this 
You know, remember a month and a half ago, we were back down to the lows. Excellent opportunities here. If you see weakness going forward, you haven't got some diesel fuel, but um, you probably need to look at that uh, on brakes. Get some of that locked in at least a half a year, if not the whole year, like you mentioned. That may be the one input that actually uh, uh, is uh, significantly lower than a year ago. And uh, so we gotta we got really keep that on the radar screen here and be ready to, to lock that in if you haven't already. Yep. I mean, that's right. The, the input costs this year are sound like they're going to be way, way more expensive than they were uh, this time last year. So anywhere you can save a buck, better, better try to figure out how to do that. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, kind of full circle back to corn and beans, right? I mean, that, again, we talked about the weather. Um, unless we have a perfect spring, um, it, it could curtail corn acreage. The costs alone could curtail corn acreage a little bit. And so that, um, uh, you know, again, we've got big supplies of beans out there. Hopefully China comes back in and buys. But, uh, you know, it kind of plays in that corn bean issue. And uh, strength going forward in the next couple of weeks off of some sort of China, um, you know, trade news, positive supportive trade news. Uh, if you see another run higher in beans, you know, get up uh, new crop beans up in that 975, 985 area versus November futures. You just have to look at that as an opportunity uh, just based on, uh, you know, hey, we uh, got a lot of beans in the world. Um, and if it doesn't go just right with this spring, we're going to still plant too many bean acres uh, potentially. So, you know, our view is be more aggressive on beans. Um, you know, certainly reward rallies, uh, you know, well north of $4 on new crop corn. But, um, you know, if you want to be aggressive on something, be aggressive on the beans. Hope you're early because uh, it's just going to drag corn that much higher. And uh, this whole game is about total gross revenue on your farm. And uh, if you're early on beans, that, uh, that's a good thing on corn. So uh, lots to think about here, lots of moving parts. The gears are spinning quicker than they ever have. And uh, I think this market's going to get uh, pretty choppy and volatile over the next two or three weeks here based on a lot of different factors, so weather, China, uh, crop reports, you know, acreage and, and spring weather shaping up. This thing could get uh, really dynamic really quickly. Well, Chip, that's a good segue into if folks are looking for a uh, little help with the plan they're working on or maybe a plan that they have in place now and they want to see if it's make it better or, or double-check what they got going on. How would they get a hold of you to figure out what the best plan of action would be? Uh, yeah, the best way is just uh, give us a call at our office, 309-550-7213. I would love to chat with you and, uh, you know, no risk, uh, kind of ask a few questions about what your current plan is and, and give some suggestions on what you might think about uh, a few ways to, to improve that plan. So critically important, margins are fairly thin right now. Uh, you mentioned input costs going up on corn especially, and um, having a plan really can mean the difference between, um, you know, making money and, and being competitive and having an advantage uh, or you know, losing money this year, and uh, there, there won't be much uh, in between, I'm afraid. So it's uh, it's a dicey time in ag right now. Right on. Well, Chip, we'll uh, keep your keep your eyes on the on the on the prize there because it looks like this week could be a could be a fun week with the with reports coming in and, and just you know really trying to look at that rumor as far as you know what's actually been sold to China, what hadn't been sold to China. There's going to be some things popping up here and there that are going to kind of drive some markets. So um, it'll be, a, be a probably a pretty busy week for you, I'm sure. It could be, uh, could be a wild one. So we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed that it's uh, to the upside and we get an opportunity to, uh, 
you know, clean up some old crop and uh, get a nice start on some, some new crop uh, sales in here. Right on, Chip. All right, buddy. Well, take care of yourself and have a good week. We'll talk to you again on Sunday. All right. Sounds great. You do the same. All right. We'll see you. All right. Thanks. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, the Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard work.